Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. John! Rich! Uh, Arthur. Bone. Arthur Dent. Arthur. Well, Arthur Dent from the the books. Well, sure, why not? What? That's all you're going to give me? Sure, why not? Why'd you say Arthur Dent? He's a real knee biter. (laughs) You know, it would be great to go throughout the universe just wearing nothing but a bathrobe and slippers. And and insulting everyone. Right, right. Wow bagger, the infinitely prolonged... (laughs) Oh, all right, our, our our geek flag is flying here. <laughs> wow, bagger the IP. That was actually a name that I used on uh, some BBSs. The IP, the, uh, yeah, wow, bagger the IP. I used yeah. that in the early '90s on a few BBSs. That was before IPs actually meant something. Well, to most people, yeah, they probably meant something to some people. But <laughs> some people out in CERN, architects of you know ARPANET. That's stuff right. Like that. Some military guy with like medals on his chest was talking IPs. That's right. But he was talking about peeing in a foxhole. Because <laughs> I pee in a foxhole. That doesn't sound pleasant at all. Well, you know that's what you got to do when you're in a foxhole. Yeah. Why do they call them foxholes, anyways? Because foxes live in holes. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Foxhole? Seriously, yeah. I'm I'm honest here. Really want to know why foxhole? Where, where did it come from? I got to look that one up. Foxholes? Where else? Yeah, but other animals dig holes. Why not like a rabbit hole? There's so a... what's new? What's new since the last time we spoke? Um, uh, nothing. No, I, I, <laughs> you're at a loss. I got nothing. I forgot to mention this last time. What's uh, up? Last week, I actually uh, took a test drive for a new vehicle. Really? Really? Well, not, not the one you've been talking to me about. Not the suppository-looking uh, monstrosity. <laughs> I don't run, know what that is. It runs on half gas. I no. The you've Prius. been talking about the turbo diesel, right? So I took a test drive of the Volkswagen diesel. They they finally shipped a few to the U.S. and the, they were available for test driving. Are They're, you feeling very farfig nugan? I've got the farfig nugan. I've got some nugan of farfins. <laughs> yeah, I actually liked it. It had a lot of torque. It's very, 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 very torquey. Torquey. It was torquish. Yeah, how does that translate into helping your life on a daily basis? <laughs> what I did is I uh, I actually calculated it out and. If we make the double sw- double switch, the double swap there where Betsy gets my car and I get the new car, um, we get rid of the pig of the 17 MPG van, it's looking like based on my mileage and her mileage combined, we could probably save close to, if not over, $2,000 a year, and that's driving aggressively. Yeah, but I'm still wondering how the torque is helping you in your daily life. That was what my question oh, was that, about specifically. That. Yeah. Oh, it's more fun to drive. Yeah, so you drove a... Automatic? A it was an automatic. They they ship like like a whole truckload of all these same samely designed or samely spec'd out automatics to the dealerships with all these stickers about, you know, green, yada 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 on them. 
And I don't like the automatic. I, I would be getting the manual transmission. Because John is manly. Because I'm, that's right. Be, well, for a couple of reasons. One, it's I think it's more fun to drive a manual transmission. And the other is I think the transmission on, on this is not so great. Um, there was some hesitation at the lights. I would like jam on the, the pedal. and No, that's just it, it diesel. Wouldn't, it wouldn't pull away. It wouldn't. It hesitated, and then it kicked in, and then went. So um, you're worried about the drag racing, or yeah, that's what I'm worried about. No, it just I don't like automatic so much. I, I'd prefer the uh, the manual transmission. Plus, it's well, a little I'd, cheaper. I drive a manual, and uh, oops, they're fun to drive. It's a little bit cheaper too, and technically, if uh, you you believe the literature, it's a better gas mileage as well. Well, not the way I drive. <laughs> I tend to uh, you rev keep it pretty in first high. gear the entire day. I don't shift till it's six grand. <laughs> right. Well, it seemed to have a lot of torque at low end, and it was it was uh, pretty good. It was I think it's rated at like two hundred and thirty six foot pounds or something like that. Which is the only problem is you and good. Greg Evigan are going to be sharing gas pumps. So. Greg Evigan, BJ and the Bear trucker diesel oh, oh. that was a reference. stretch wow. that was a, that was a major stretch dennis miller might not even have gotten that one he, he probably would have like though, 17 actually. layers of stretch there uh, remember stacks stack it was the blonde large busted truck driving <laughs> of, friend of his of course she would be called <laughs> yes i think dennis miller would have got that reference uh, actually but I'm, I'm a little disappointed you didn't i gotta be honest with you but no, 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 and and you know I I think that uh, it's a much more uh, oh, here's an even vehicle. older one. You're going to be sharing gas pumps with Claude Aikens. Does that ring a bell? Claude Aikens. You're, you're there was a TV show in one. the '70s. I think it was called Moving On. It was about two guys who had a truck. They were like truckers. <laughs> that's that's way too obscure. Do you know Claude Aikens? <laughs> the name sounds familiar. He's an actor. He was in that Twilight Zone episode. The monsters are due on Maple Street. One of the classic Twilight Zones, and and then I think the only other thing he's noted for is Moving On, the show in the <laughs> '70s where he played a trucker. <laughs> Poor guy. It's all he's known for. Hey. Twilight Zone? I wouldn't mind being known for a Twilight Zone episode, or an original one anyway. Well, you know, he's no Burgess Meredith. Well, Burgess did five episodes. Can you name them? I couldn't name two. You can't name two? That's that's a crime. I, you know what? That's the thing with me. I like the episodes. I know the plots of the episodes, but I couldn't tell you the titles of the episodes. You probably know the numbers and you know what no. each person was wearing. Well, maybe, but come on. To Serve Man... Okay, I That's remember the, that the, one. The really famous one and Willoughby. What was that one called? No, a stop at Willoughby. He was not in. But that's no, no, a, no, that's just... a great one. Willoughby, Willoughby. I wasn't. I wasn't saying that I could name two Burgess Meredith. Meredith. No, it's sad that you can. He was in five, and you can't name I, two. I could probably name two Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, period. That's even sadder than. Well, you know, I don't know if it's more sad that you could name all of them. I can't name all of them, but I used to have the compendium. Which <laughs> I is think a it's great sad book. that you'd want to be able to name all of them. Who was in the next most number of episodes after Burgess Meredith? I think I know the answer. Now this is minutia. Do you know? Um. Robert Duvall. <laughs> think Quincy. <laughs> Jack Klugman. He was in three, and I think Shatner was in two. Shatner would have been on my list if I thought hard about that one, which I just refused to do. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Claude Aikens, John's buying a diesel. Somehow we got to the Twilight Zone from John buying yeah, a diesel. Yeah, I'm thinking of diesel. But, and I got into a diesel. I got into a, not an argument, but I got into a discussion with someone on, on one of the forums about about the whole car thing and someone John was, just logged into a 
forum called My Diesel is Bigger Than Yours. <laughs> he just started getting it's an called, argument randomly. The, the forum was actually called DieselFumesMakeMeHorny.com. <laughs> it's, it's one of John's favorites. No, it's it's uh, some TDI forum because I wanted to find out more information about the car. And someone was talking about, oh, yeah, you're only going to save about 500, 600 bucks a year. So how could you justify getting a new car? I'm like, well, you need a new car. Like, I need a new. First, I need yeah. a new car. Second, so you like don't I have said, to justify getting a new car. You have to right. have a car. So second, I'm doing the double switch. So actually, in terms it's of like the a, family, it's like a, we're, it's, we're it's, both. You're doing a twist on it. We're doing so a twist there's on it. such a fine line between stupid and clever. <laughs> So, actually, both vehicles in our family are going to be increasing, or both people in, in our family are going to be increasing uh, their gas mileage by the, the one purchase. Yet, John's getting the new car. Of course. I put the more miles on it. Yeah, whatever. I, I average about 25,000 miles a year, which Sexist is Sexist pig. Hey, by I, the way, you know... I had to figure it out. I actually started watching the John Adams miniseries. I've seen the Did first you? two episodes. Yeah, I know that you were a big fan, and oh, you those talked are awesome. about it a couple episodes ago, and I just love the... Um, I love the dialogue. Isn't it great? <laughs> I love the dialogue. When when John Adams approached Thomas Jefferson, he said something like, for my many years. fine man, good man. My, for many years, I have had a, a high opinion of your pen, not my own, or something like that. He said, I, I forgot. He's I, just, I long for, a, for, for that sort of civility in, in public discourse again, you know? Well, what was great. Everybody was sir. Everyone. That's right. Even when they were ticked off. Absolutely, yeah. I've had enough of that, sir. And he would even talk to his kids that way. Yeah, he did. Yeah. You'll be heading off to the bed, sir. Yeah, good stuff. So I'm going to uh, rent... Finish your homework, sir. I'm going to rent uh, episodes three and four really soon. They uh, they drafted the Declaration of Independence. and uh, Oh, you got that far. Yeah, they did. And it was read aloud in many places. And... Um, uh, Britain's army was evicted from Boston. However, they're forming around New York right now. Did you get to the part where John Adams holes up in the forest and he uh, he sets uh, traps for the the British soldiers and he puts a headband, you know, and he's got the knife with the compass. Oh wait, that was Rambo. I can't. <laughs> I thought you were going the Patriot. I thought you were going <laughs> no. Mel Gibson for a second there. No, 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 no. Rambo. That wouldn't be great if if John Adams was like Rambo. But John Adams is not. like Rambo, actually. He's like Rambo's lawyer. I forgot that he defended the uh, the British soldiers. Uh, that was from something the Boston massacre that I had never known or yeah. never no, had been I knew aware it, of. Because I'm, I'm actually a fan of that period of history very much, but I had totally forgotten about that. And he won. <laughs> That's right. Actually, um, the real history was that. Oh God, I forgot. What was it? Um, the 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 captain was tried separately from the other seven right. soldiers. But two of the soldiers were found to be guilty of something, although not nothing that warranted a hanging. I forgot they they didn't all get Broken off scot free. Yeah, you know something like that. Yeah, driving with your high beams on something. <laughs> right. They got a seatbelt thing. Yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't a moving violation, but it uh, you know it was a fine. Well, I think it was great because John Adams. It, it shows how he got a lot of respect from that. You know, even though. You would think that defending the 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 redcoats, to, so to speak, the lobsters—that's right—the redcoats would would have made him enemy of the 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 rebels, the rebel scum. Some of them it did. But, he lost half of his practice. Well, he he did, but he also gained a lot of respect as being an impartial person because if he was if he was a, a Bostonian or a, a New Englander who's willing to, to get to the truth of the matter, then you know they could trust him. So that when he, they were sort of lobbying him afterwards to become part of the Continental Congress. 
Because that would the lend a lot guy, of credibility to it. The guy they got to play Ben Franklin. Oh, wasn't he great? Was Ben Franklin. Well, that was, uh, what's his name? Oh, I, the, the actor, he's been in tons of things. I don't recognize him. He just, you don't recognize he, him? He's Ben Franklin. That's who he is. Give me two seconds. We're going to have to uh, pause this. Uh, okay, wait. We're going to look something up on the internet now. John's surfing here. Tom well, Wilkinson. Yeah, don't really know him from much, but uh, he his hair, he was... been And the guy that got to play Samuel Adams looked exactly like Samuel Adams. And uh, David Morse... drunk. David Morse looked very much like uh, Colonel or General George Washington. Well, they put a little n- nose prosthetic yeah, on him. Yeah, they did. And he was good. Yeah, he, good stuff so far. Can't wait to see the rest. I don't want to, like, spoil anything, but they form a country. <laughs> Hello, ball. <laughs> <laughs> I think our intro has gone very long. I think this is the intro? I thought we were getting ready to hit the outro. No, I know. It seems it doesn't. It. However, uh, uh, we got a, any music for this show or not? So got people a little can, happy little tune. People can fast forward through it. Got a happy little tune. Well, let's, let's check it out. doesn't mind his island not a soul inside he works through the night but oh the life in his head punching thoughts passing by like the clouds in the sky unattached he enlightens keep the man in
time the sun shines, so the man divine takes his recline until Where would that song be without the Beatles and their little piccolo trumpet solo to, um, what song was that? Where would it be without the Beatles? Yeah. You know, that whole trumpet thing, you know, Trump adding a trumpet to rock and roll. Horn sections are adding one thing. But. a string section to rock and roll. There's all sorts of stuff that the Beatles did. Well, I don't buy the argument that nothing music didn't exist before the Beatles. But anyway, <laughs> I, 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 I sat in a playground once. A friend of mine used to, uh, uh, he worked for the city and he was a playground lifeguard type thing. And I remember so he would dive into the sand. And I remember sitting around the swing set with this local sort of hippie guy, and he said, uh, "Everything is an extension of the Beatles." And he just went on arguing with me about how everything was. No, of course Bach, obviously an extension of the Beatles. Did yeah. he? Um, did he say dude a lot? He uh, he bowled. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Happy toll booth guy. Yeah. Right? Yep. The uh, that was by Desmond Drive. Doesn't? Sounds like a, a street that you'd live on. It it does, actually. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I made a wrong left turn on a Desmond Drive on the way over here. It's in the bad section of town. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Italians there. Well, there you go. Nothing so, like Montanans. You know, I talked last week about going to see that 50s band, and there was sort of that little scat stuff going on. do bap ba dap dude, you know, in the background. Oh, I thought you were talking about stuff. scatological stuff. No, you know, you know scat, you know. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, crap it up do bop yeah that, that kind of thing and i remember years ago this is probably 20 years ago and there was a guy who was a remnant of the 50s music you know shanana kind of thing and he said you would pick a letter and you could write a song like b baba da baba bam bam you know and, he would, and it was just funny he what started about q well, q is a little bit tougher i don't know <laughs> It's like, it, it, that would be like in, in Kung Fu, you'd reach the highest it's, level it's of Kung Eastern. Fu. It's, it's Asian. If you, could, if you could scat with nothing but the word Yeah, if you Q. could write a 50s song like Bowser from Sha Na Na with X, that one That's might right. even be a little harder. Right. Maybe Jenny Chardin could do, a, could do it with X, I don't know. Yeah, she's Jenny Chardin. It's kind of like uh, alien French. She, she's kind of like alien French. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh, do we need to tell them who Jenny Jardin is? Yeah, look it up. It, it's boing, spelled boing exactly not like net. it sounds. X E N I J A R D I N, right? And it's not uh, it's her not, real name, even. No, and she's not, she's a real person, although she's not. There's a lot of there's nothing about her that's real except for well, the fact that she exists. Yes, but everything else is completely uh, manufactured and um, hype. There you go. So you wanted to talk about something that's that's uh, fairly secretive. Well, you know, I, this is another one of those mystery topics that I dropped on John only moments ago. He's dropping the, the topic bomb on me. <laughs> that's right. And John hasn't dropped the topic bomb on me yet. I've done it to him twice. There was this, and then what was the other one from uh, two, three weeks ago? I don't um, know. I'm still recovering from that one. What was that? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know. Enemas and you. I, <laughs> that's right. And, we never uh, published that Coffee show. enemas. And uh, John is a little more used to those than me because I don't like coffee on any level. But 
so I have these friends who are kind of, you know, I don't want to use the word mystics, but in on some levels they are. I, I think John and I, although me more than John, can be attributed to the rationalist uh, label, if you will, right? You know, uh, except for John's leanings into Roman Catholicism and believing in God, um, John's quite rational. And I like to think of myself as rational. And however, several friends of mine, uh, three, in fact, I'm just surprised you've been able to amass that many. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. He's a funny guy. Continue. Continue. Trying to get this wine bottle to ring a note. Uh, several friends of mine, and I think the number is three, and their names would be Lisa, Donna, and Christopher, are into this, this I don't even know what you'd call it, this, this movement. Satanism? <laughs> no. This movement, and it's all about that book, that DVD, that, that phenomenon called The Secret. Dianetics? No, it's oh. not L. Ron Hoover in the First Church of Appliantology. <laughs> But, you know, again, being a rationalist, uh, my, my friends, the people that I'm speaking of, are they, they read their horoscopes, and, and I read them as entertainment, but nothing else, you know, occasionally. I, I, hey, I'm a Catholic, and I even read my fortune cookies. Well, that's just because you want to eat them, ultimately. Anyway, you want to get the paper out so you can consume <laughs> right. them, you know? But anyway, there's you're this right, thing right. called The Secret, and... It's it's a, a DVD you can you can rent and watch, or it's it's a book, and it's all about this thing called the law of attraction. And at work, because I have to sometimes attend sales meetings, we sometimes listen to the motivational speakers. You know, Tony Robbins, whatever. He actually isn't one of them, but he's one of the guys whose names I can remember. Zig Ziglar. He's a really mm-hmm. good uh, motivator, John motivational speaker. Uh, yeah, George Went. <laughs> yeah, you know, Shelley Long. Yep. Uh, star of the show, What Were You Thinking? <laughs> but anyway, um, these guys on these other uh, T, uh, DVD and uh, cassette and CD series, I hear them occasionally talking about the law of attraction. You know, I, and as, a, as someone who's a little more rational, I grew up believing opposite attract, right? You know, opposite poles of magnets, positive and negative, you, you know, the yin poles. and the yang. I did. I am a pole. And... Um, that's diverting that. <laughs> you said so the opposite right. Polish used people to thinking, attract each other? That's right. We're used to thinking that opposites attract, right? right? However, the the whole thing with the, this thing, this the secret phenomenon, is that uh, this law of attraction basically and, – and they treat this, the people on this video – um, and there's many people on there. The guy who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul mm-hmm. is a believer in this. The guy, uh, John Gray, who wrote Mars and the Mars and Venus books is a believer in this. And, and a bunch of other people who have done very well in life and consider themselves, uh, you know, thinkers and smart people. They believe that they believe in the law of attraction, like you and I believe in the law of gravity. I mean, we, we have no choice but to believe in the law of gravity. I mean, you know, you fought, you, you know, here. You, you let something go, it falls, right? Gravity, there it is. No, that's because there are magnets in the table. <laughs> that's right. And obviously this is positively charged and the other one is negatively charged. No, that's that's but because the, the law of attraction the, the pusher downer god pushed on it and it made it go down. <laughs> it, where does he fit into your single god <laughs> philosophy? Uh, Suddenly he, you're a pagan, the no, pusher downer god? No, he you know, he was contracted out. You know, he, God can't do everything. <laughs> He's got some helpers. They're like elves. <laughs> Subcontractors is what we ter- we term them, you know. So these guys believe in this law of attraction, and that is what you think you will attract. And I have friends who very firmly believe this, and they say that this has changed their life. 
And why I'd, is it that I'm not seeing the bags of cash? Because I'm thinking bags of cash. Well, you you haven't exercised this for as long as you need to. Oh. And the question is, do you really believe? Does this now, involve like putting money up front, <laughs> timeshare kind of thing? Nope. Okay. Nope. Nope. It All right, hit me with your secrets. Hit me with your best shot. In fact, fire away. Well, I, I don't even understand all that well myself, but I watched the DVD one time through already. Does my, Giuseppe Franco show up? I don't have any idea. He <laughs> he might be a believer because he's rolling in some cash right now. So you know, for unknown reasons, because he uses shoe polish on his hair, as <laughs> you right. stated before. Um. So what you think you attract, and the interesting thing about it is that it's not just about positive thinking, you know, and thinking positively and being positive, which I have a, a bit of a struggle to do in daily life as it is. But it's not just enough that you think, uh, let me give you an example. According to these people in um, this philosophy, it's not just enough that you think a positive thought, it has to actually be a positive thought. So you can't just think nothing bad is going to happen to me today. You can't think that because you're thinking about bad things happening to you and you will still attract it. You have to say something like only positive things are going to happen to me. I mean, one of the examples they give is uh, uh, Mother Teresa. Um, all these people talk about anti-war rallies. And she once said, well, whenever you hold a peace rally, let me know and I'll attend. And that's right. kind of the philosophy behind this. You don't want to go to an anti-war rally. You want to go to a peace rally because you, you attract what you think about. And if you're thinking about anti-war, you're thinking about war. So you want to be thinking about peace and you will attract this. And again, the people who helped produce this video with the Australian woman who wrote the book and, and uh, uh, executive produced the video, they believe that this is as real as the law of gravity. So I'm going to start exercising some of the principles, or all of them, actually, because there's nothing uh, unduly unusual about this. You know, you don't have to sacrifice any goats or, you know, uh, do anything odd or paint a pentagram on your kitchen floor or anything like that. Well, it's, now what am I going to do? It's already there. <laughs> well, you got to paint over it, I guess. But what do you know <sighs> about this? What have you heard about the secret? Because I actually I have, find I have, it kind of interesting. Because I've heard stuff on the periphery. Basically, the the power of positive thinking about, you know, you, if you're constantly negative, then you're going to be, you know, exuding negative vibes and then negative things will happen. And you're essentially the I'm the way I'm interpreting it. And I'm, this may be wrong is it's the whole self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. I think that's part of it. But beyond that, these people, these people think, um, again, that it's as real as any other law of nature, like gravity or something like that in, in, in this attraction thing. And as far as the power of positive thinking goes, I definitely agree with that. And I struggle with that. But I mean, I remember being around a friend who was trying to do a startup business a few years ago, and he was really struggling getting the funding. He had this really simple idea, but yet these simplest ideas that you and I look at and go, anybody could have thought of that. Well, somebody had to think of it, and we did, and he did. And I just remember he was struggling um, with his business model and trying to get the funding, and I was hanging out with him, and he was being really negative because he had a bad week, you know. He's, and, uh, you know, and I was, it was like around the time of the Jerry Lewis telethon or something like that. And I <laughs> said, "Did you give any money to Jerry's kids?" And he, he just went off on this whole like totally negative, uh, you know, uh, 
tangent, you know? And it was really negative. It was like, whoa, I had to get away from him. It was all me, 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 and they don't deserve this because I didn't get my business, you know? And so I can see where you don't want to be around negative people, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. and being positive will probably attract positive people. At least certainly the people you encounter will be more impressed with you if you're behaving in a way that, that, that that's more positive and more open to new ideas and things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's common sense. If, if you're, But this goes a little so- beyond that. If you're someone who complains all the time, and, you're not going to attract a lot of friends well, because they it, don't want to be burdened by all of your complaints. Yeah, it's just, it's a downer, you know, to use that sort of 60s phrase. You're, you're, Dude, you're, it's you're, a total you're bummer. You're being a downer, you know. And and I can it's really relate to that. Even. But I've also been that guy. You know, it's hard for me to get up every day and be positive. You know, and and I struggle with that. But I am going to watch this this the secret over and over again and start applying some of the principles that they talk about. And again, it's about this law of attraction that they talk about. Whom I've heard other people speak about, not just uh, this woman whose name I don't know, who executive produced this and wrote the book. But I mean, at, at the very least, it certainly will do no harm. To put some of these, I mean, you know, there's no, again, there's no uh, pig sacrifices or, you know, uh, you know, satanic Amway product. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, there may be actually, you know, I I don't have any problem with any of these, these philosophies where people actually have to change their, their thought patterns and, and change some of the actions. Repetition is the key in a positive way. Right. To me, it starts to bug me when it involves paying for something or becoming part of an organization to do something because then it totally reeks of you need to pay me and I'm becoming a success because of suckers like you. And and this doesn't sound so much like that other than buying the books. uh, Right. But everybody in the world has a book. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure you can get the information, you know, on the Internet. Absolutely. I'm sure there's people who've written extensively about it, their own examples. But... Again, there's some there's some pretty smart people, including a variety of physicists who are on this this DVD. Any physicist who maybe possibly speak through a computer? <laughs> no, no, Mr. Hawking is not on there. But people that I mean, the DVD, in other words, what I'm getting at is the people. The DVD isn't filled with with people, um, you know, who believe in mystical things only you know i mean you you have quantum physicists with phds talking about the power of positive thinking and beyond that this program this idea of the law of attraction being real and i just found it interesting you know that people like that because they frame it in a way on the dvd that it's actually sort of believable for a person like you and me and that is that you know we as beings are nothing but energy, and that just boils down to the fact that if we have mass, we're energy, right? E equals mc squared. So the fact that we have energy means we're putting something out into the universe, and the universe is capable of reacting to that, you know? And that's kind of what the they, – they think – in fact, one of the people on the DVD talks about the, the, the secret, and the, he talks about the universe being a gigantic catalog that you can select things from, but you have to put put it in motion with your thoughts and your mental patterns and stuff like that. To make it happen. And he, you know, these people are all very, very firmly believe in this. And there's a lot of people who uh, thought they've changed, uh, they feel that their lives have been changed dramatically because of this. And I just find it interesting. You know, again, these aren't nutcases or floozies. I mean, there's a lot of pretty serious, respectable people on this DVD. In fact, when I'm done with it, I'll lend it to you. A friend of mine owns it, so I, I have it. It's not like I rented it well, from Blockbuster or anything. But I'll, it might I'll take a look be at interesting it. to see what you would say about it. But I, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't necessarily lend credence to it because other people are, are watching it and believing in it because, you know, people are flawed and people can get locked into some things that are, are, are not real. I'm not saying this is, I'm just saying that, that I tend to discredit any, any, uh, spokesperson or, or someone who condones something because, uh, you know, I want to see the experience myself. I want to, I want to hear what they've got to say. And uh, someone else's opinion doesn't necessarily sway mine. Put it that way. Especially things like this. You give me that look like I'm crazy. <laughs> the guy who goes to church once a week. No, I. Well, that's just it. You know, it wasn't someone said, "Hey, believe this, 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 and this." That's and then, all they're telling and, you. And then believe I, this. And then I said, and you did. And I said, okay, no, I, I've I've talked to you about this before. I. I had to come to terms with it myself. I had to do the research myself. I had to read myself and come and come to a a decision in my life about it myself. I couldn't be told, and I and it wasn't like uh, Tom Cruise standing there saying, "I believe in this, so therefore you should." I didn't take that as a, a valid reason to believe in it because someone else did. No, I just find it interesting that the people that they've used on the DVD aren't all just. You know, to, at my worst, the word I would describe, the word I would Lambs. use to describe people are religious nutcases. So the, the people on the DVD all aren't weak-minded fools who are susceptible to things like Dianetics or L. Ron Hoover's First Church of Appliantology. These are guys with a, a real uh, uh, a background in, in things like physics and things like that. And, and that's, they, they that's put my some whole point. In this. That's my whole point is that they're still people. And, well, and, of course and they people are. people can be duped into anything no matter how smart they are so like, i'm i'm just saying like catholicism <laughs> i'm just saying just because someone, i'm not just saying i'm just saying because someone's on there doesn't necessarily mean that it's it lends credence to the philosophy i'll listen to the philosophy and, and come to my own terms with it right no i it doesn't lend any credence to the philosophy but i just i just again it's interesting that they're not all just random people you know weak-minded fools who believe in strange things like alien abduction or rectal probes <laughs> i did not bring that up for the record <laughs> that's right you didn't but anyway uh when i'm done with it i'll actually lend it to you and you can uh uh, just see what you think of it, but I'm going to start putting some of the uh, principles into effect. And do me a favor, though. Uh, what's that? When you become rich and famous and successful in a in a handsome and powerful man, <laughs> share some of that wealth this way. You know, toss some of those. Uh, you know, I, I thought I thought we were a team. Well, I was thinking that you know my way of being positive is to support your making money for me. <laughs> That's. That's one way of doing it. There are others, but that is certainly one way. I'm I'm positive that you're going to make money for me. Well, that's we'll my see. power of positive uh, thinking. Well, we'll see. All anyway, right. we got another tune. And there, if there any of you one. out there have actually seen or read The Secret, please uh, feedback us. <laughs> feed feed us back. Feed us. That's right. Feed us some back. Anyway, let's check out this track. Pillow on the window, man. 
Jaya the Cat. Jaya, they 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 played hard, man. The, the name of the song was Blur. Blur. I'm not to be confused with Oasis. I mean, they all just need eye surgery. What? <laughs> Lasers. <laughs> they need LASIK or LASIK or whatever it's called. Yep, I refuse to do it. So you know, a guy who has sort of become one of my favorite filmmakers just because of the one film he made, uh, released his second film uh, this year. The first film was The Station Agent. I know you and I have talked about it yep. before. It actually made my top 20 list. And uh, his new film is called The Visitor, which I think you've heard of. Yep. You know? Do you know anything about it? I know it's made by the same guy who made The Station Agent. Tom McCarthy. And it's called uh, The Visitor. Yeah. And this film is actually, the, the lead character is a, kind of a stodgy college professor. Reminds me a little bit of um, that other film I saw about this. Squid and the Whale? No, 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 no. Um, something, something in the evening was what it was called. Um, oh God, I don't I, remember. I can't remember the actor's name, but he was sort of a, a an, Bill an, Pullman. No, and uh, this man, Jerry Bruckheimer. 
uh, teaches at a like a, a university in Connecticut, and he has a house in Connecticut and an apartment in New York City. And he has to go to a conference in New York City, so he goes to his apartment, which he's rarely in, and he finds that it's inhabited. <laughs> Some people had taken up residence in there because they had seen that it was uninhabited for months at a time, so they figured they'd take a risk and, and move in there. Squatters. And, uh, they're kind of squatting on his apartment, and he ends up having a relationship. He ends up becoming friends with both of them. You know, Even though he kicks them out, he invites them back. You know, He feels bad. You don't have a place to stay tonight. Well, come stay with me. And the drama of the film begins when um, Walter, the professor, uh, and Tarek, uh, who's a Syrian uh, person living in the country. We don't know whether he's legal or illegal, but we eventually find out that he is an illegal living in the U.S. because he's arrested in the subway. It's like he skipped you know, without paying his toll mm-hmm. or whatever, and the cops saw him, and they arrested him, and they put him in jail. And this film is uh, kind of a commentary about our... our um, our uh, immigration policies after 9-11, they're a little bit rigid. Mm-hmm. In addition to how recent governments, uh, very Republican governments, have been privatizing everything, and he ends up going to a jail, which is a corporate jail. You know how they're privatizing the uh, the jail systems in the U.S.? And quality yep. tends to go down when you privatize things. I don't care what anybody in Montana says. And um, <laughs> For the record, not brought up by me. <laughs> That's right. And the the film is about... Um, uh, you know their efforts to get him out, and uh, Walter's efforts uh, acqu- getting a uh, an immigration attorney to help them do that, and and ultimately this Tarek person is deported, and it's it's you know there's great sadness in the film, but the the film is in addition to being about that is about Walter's journey kind of um, loosening up. You know Tarek plays the the, the djembe, the African drum. Mm-hmm. And he goes out to like Washington Square and he plays it in drum circles and things like that. And he sort of starts introducing Walter to the the djembe, and Walter eventually ends up going and you know participating in these in these um, in these African drum circles as well. But uh, this film um, definitely very moving and and uh, you know great characters, great story. Uh, I like the pacing of it. It was actually kind of slow, but I thought it was perfect for the the, the tone of the film and the mood of the film. A lot of people are calling this uh, a film that was even better than The Station Agent, but there, there's one thing about this film that I don't like, and it's any film that's like this, I don't like this, this particular quality. Has no dwarfs in it. There's no dwarfs in this film, but there's a lot of loose ends, you know? He's ultimately deported, but we never know what happens. I hate those kind of loose ends. Do these people ever meet again? I love those loose ends. I, see, I like The Station Agent because they kind of wrapped it up. Everybody lived happily ever after. You know, they're all smoking pot and, <laughs> and having fun on uh, Olivia's back deck. And then the credits roll and everybody lives happily ever after. But in a film like this, which was phenomenal, those loose ends drive me crazy. You know, does he ever get to meet these people again who've profoundly affected his life and vice versa? You Maybe know? that's why you hated that, that French film. What French film? Cachet. Oh, the the film about the guy's house being filmed? Yeah. I didn't hate that film. Well, there was nothing but loose ends in that. Right, right. Well, and I, I mean, look, I like I like uh, Kubrick films. <laughs> There's nothing but loose ends in Kubrick films, too. But in a lot of Kubrick films, I don't get in, that involved with the characters as much as I do with the stories in the, in the, in the film itself, you know? Um, this film, I got so sort of like intimately involved with these characters. You know, we got to know them on, on certain sort of personal levels that, that touched us. 
and it made me want to know them more, and it made me want to know if they ever got to see one another again. I mean, I'm definitely recommending this film. You were frustrated by I was a little frustrated, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I you know, in our, our immigration policies, uh, certainly recent ones and a variety of other things that recent administrations have put into effect are very frustrating, and they're ridiculous, you know? And I think that's part of this film. I think the message is supposed to be that, you know, to convey the frustration that, that you know, an immigrant might. Because he really didn't do anything wrong. A- at the end of the day, what he ended up doing in the film that got him arrested, he didn't do anything wrong. He was carrying his drum on his stomach. And when he put the, the money in, uh, you know, in those turnstiles or whatever mm-hmm. they call them, the drum went through and then it stopped. And he had to put more money in. But he paid for himself, right. but the drum was the thing that made it through. So he skipped over the the turnstile and he ended up getting arrested. So he didn't do anything wrong other than being an illegal in this his country. His presence was wrong. Yeah, his presence was wrong, you know, according to, you know, immigration rules. But yeah, definitely a phenomenal film. Some great performances. The guy who played uh, Professor Walter, I, I think his name is Nathaniel Fisher, and he's known uh, for being on Six Feet Under. I, I've never, never saw seen the show. that. Yeah, so I, I can't say that I, I knew any of these actors and actresses, but it, it was phenomenal. And this guy, Tom McCarthy, is a real talent. I mean, based on the two films that he's released both phenomenal you know uh, one of them one of my favorites of all time and this one uh, a really really strong piece of work it's just unfortunate that he couldn't put more dwarves in this <laughs> well actually i i saw a british film that had um dinklage in it uh oh, god yeah. death at a funeral are you familiar with that film i've heard the name frank oz directed it i've heard the title yeah he was in that and i saw that a couple of weeks ago it's pretty funny you know just <laughs> that that classic dark sort of british humor you know just Good stuff. But anyway, I think that's a show. So if you press the button, maybe in 10 or 20 minutes, our klaxons will sound. Here, wait. Yeah, just listen. Oh, my God. Dude, put it on the local. (laughs) You didn't even hit it, did you? I didn't. Oh, man. Anyway, this is Rich Wilgus. And John Tellerico. You've been listening to another uh, excellent episode of Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. Yes. No wasting of time here. (laughs) That's right. I'm going to edit all of that out. Hey, check us out on our website. We've got some internet tubes hooked up to our little server. That's right. And it's at www.bloodyvegetarians.com. And uh, check us out, our forum. You can check out the forum at www.bloodyvegetarians.com slash forum. Lots of good stuff on there. Hey. He's Giuseppe Franco. I'm Giuseppe Franco, and I want some email. Feedback at bloodyvegetarians.com. Yep. And we did get a couple of emails congratulating us on our three anniversary. So thank you to all those who uh, did that. And all those who didn't, well, screw you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right back at you. You're listening to the VIB. 